we're coming out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and the other um, majority of our scriptures will be coming out of Romans chapter 8. So it won't be a lot of turning. And so you'll be uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and if I can remember off the top of my head, it will be verses, we're going to look at verses 2. Um, we're going to talk about four and we're going to look at 14 and 18 and then in the book of Romans and that's going to be kind of scattered. So don't too much worry about that. But the book of Romans chapter eight, we're going to do verses 16 through 20 through 30. So we're going to start in first Corinthians and then we're going to end we're going to go to Romans, and then we're going to end in 1 Corinthians. And so you guys just going to have to, we're going to go Old Testament today. Y'all got to pull your scrolls out. Yeah, this is, this is much better. I hate teaching to a computer screen. <laughs> That's just bothered me. We recording, Tremaine? Okay, good, good, good. Well, we're, um... We're still talking along the lines of tongues, tongues, praying in tongues, tongues as the restored language. And my intentions with this is to provoke you to pray in tongues. And Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all y'all. And this brother wrote half the Bible. Okay. <laughs> His brother established several churches. He went through a plethora of things for the kingdom, and he goes on to say that I pray in tongues more than all you. So that lets you know. All right, if we don't, if we, we, if we don't compete at anything else, we're going to not pray each other. Amen. And so our first message we taught was uh, tongues, the restored language. And I think I'm going to go back and teach those things because I think it'll come across better with you guys out there versus over the computer screen. Um, and so the first lesson that we taught was tongues, the restored language. Then last week we did tongues, a constructive language. Basically talking about how uh, in the restored language that this is the father's agenda is to get this language back to us. All right, the language was lost when Adam fell in the garden. We lost communication. In Isaiah 28 and 11, uh, Isaiah says, with a stammering lip and another tongue, he will speak to his people. And then he goes on to say that, that, that in speaking to us, we will, be, we will uh, receive rest and we will receive refreshing. All right. In, Zephani in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, he actually talks about restoring this language back, a pure language. Praying in tongues is a pure language. It's pure. There's no way you can defile it. It's the only language you can't speak profanity in. It's the only language you can't talk about someone in. <laughs> All right? It's the, it's the only language that has no negativity to it. It is pure. When you're speaking it, you're speaking directly to heaven, to God. And so on today, the title of the teaching is going to be a mystical language. A mystical language. All right. Now, uh, when I say mystical, uh, sometimes we think about the word mysterious and they're they're one and the same, but they're kind of different. 
when something is mystical, it's supernatural. Okay, when something is mystical, it is out of this world. But when something is mysterious, that means it has entered into our world, but we just can't explain it. All right, so when I talk about a, a, a mystical language, it is a language that is not of earth. We do not understand this language in earth. And so when something is mystical, it is beyond your understanding. All right, like I said, when something is mystical, it is not of this world. It is supernatural versus when something is mysterious, that means it can still exist in this world, but we just don't understand it. Okay, now the thing about something being mystical or something being mysterious is it's hidden. All right, it's a secret. All right, when something is mysterious. But the, the uh, secret or the hidden thing, it is only released to those who are initiated to learn it and to know it. All right, when it comes to spiritual things, everybody's not initiated to understand it. He, the Father will speak to you according to your calling. If you're not called to teach, he's not going to deal with you with doctrine. So some things will be mysterious to you. And I'm saying this so you don't think you understand everything. All right. Um, Jesus was talking to the disciples. And he says, to the, he says, when it comes to the mystery of the kingdom, I tell you. He said, but when I speak to the people, I speak in parables. They were initiated. They were his disciples. They decided they gave their life to him. And so he wanted them to understand what they gave their life for. Those who didn't give their life, he didn't want them to understand until they gave their life. And so even in understanding this thing, I tell people all the time that if you want to know the truths, all you have to do is be sincere. That's it. You just have to be sincere. You, just, you have to really want this. You're not going to be able to play around with it and get, the, and get God's best. All right, you're not going to play around and tap into supernatural things. Might be on the demonic side, you will. Okay, so speaking in tongues is a mystical language, and it's only for the initiated. It's only for those who are his children. All right, now... This language is, is, is heavenly. That's why we say that it's mystical. It's incomprehensible, meaning what? We cannot understand it. Now, what's so mysterious about it is that it can only be translated by heaven. It can only be translated by heaven. So when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, someone can pray in tongues, and then somebody across the room can get the interpretation of it. Or you can pray in tongues, and then, but the Father is the only one that can tell you what you said, exactly what you said and why you said it. So our first scripture today is going to come from uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2. And we're talking about a mystical language. All right? I am trying to provoke you all to pray in tongues as much as you can. All right. Everybody in the gospel in this faith who has done anything has always attributed to two things. OK, we already know the word, so we ain't got to even throw that in there. We know the word part of it. But the other one is the other two are fasting 
and praying in tongues. That's a deadly combination. That's a deadly combination. That is a supernatural combination. But the thing about it is that it's not something that we desire to do in the natural because nobody wants to eat, not eat, while they just speak baby gibberish and think of something going, you need faith for that. You need faith for that. Okay, to, to turn down your food and sit there and pray in tongues all day, and it makes sense to you why you're doing it. That's why I teach the way I teach, because I want you, you, your faith and your ability to do things will come with your understanding. All right, we can, you can go on a fast, but then after I teach you about fasting, it'll make more sense to you. And now you'll be encouraged to do it more. Why? Because you understand why you're doing it. So our first scripture, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, it says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. In his spirit he speaks mysteries. All right? So 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, One who speaks in a tongue is talking to God. That's mysterious, right? You're praying in a tongue, and the tongue that you're praying in, you're speaking to God, directly to God. You have a direct line to God. But the other parts of it that is mysterious is that no one in the room can understand what you're saying, and you can't understand what you're saying. That's mysterious, all right? That's mystical. But... What really makes it mysterious is it says that one who speaks in tongue does not speak to men but God. But then it says for one, no one understands. It says, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. So now, when you pray in tongues, when you move your tongue, your spirit starts to pray. (laughs) One who speaks in tongues their spirit speaks mysteries. So the moment you start to pray in tongues, your spirit starts to pray. Which means if you don't pray in tongues, your spirit doesn't pray. And now you're just left with praying with what? Understanding. And so now you're praying for your life based on your knowledge. It's mysterious. Even in Jude 1 and 20, what does it say? That pray, uh, Paul told them to pray in tongues to build up their most holy faith. So any event you want to build up your faith, all you have to do is what? Start praying in tongues. That's mysterious. You can't explain that. You can't even fathom that. You can't even think of that in your mind, how that looks, until you start moving your tongue. The moment you say, your spirit starts praying mysteries. In, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, it says, who, he who prays in the spirit edifies himself or builds himself up. It's mysterious. So the moment you initiate or activate your tongue, you start to build up your spirit. Like I told you, I'm provoking you. By the time I'm done with this, the question that you're going to ask yourself is, why, don't, why do I stop praying in tongues? <laughs> That's the mindset I want you to have. Why do I stop praying in tongues? If all these things happen when I pray in tongues, why do I stop? 
just reading some testimonies of people who pray in tongues and just reading some books as I was going to these teachings, every single time I would go to read a testimony, someone say, I thank God for praying in tongues. One guy said he prayed five to ten hours a day. He said he'd been doing it since he was like 15 years old. He's like 35. Can you imagine his life? Like I told you, John G. Lake, Catherine Kuhlman, look them up if you don't know who they are. All right, Peter Tan. All these people attributed the power that they walked in to praying in tongues. Now, you have to be intentional with this. All right? You have to be intentional with it. It's not something, the Holy Spirit is not going to make you pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit can't provoke you, but you have to pray in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 and 14. It says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is fruitful. Here you go again. But if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. So if I don't pray in tongues, my spirit doesn't pray. But then he says, when I pray in tongues, my mind is unfruitful. Now, did anyone go back and watch the video? Did anyone go back and watch the video that we listened to? Y'all got to go watch the video, okay? Y'all have to watch it if, if uh, well, we'll probably bring it in next week. But you have to watch this video where they, where they actually hooked this man up. The doctor hooked him up, okay, to this, to this uh, EKG machine, brain machine, whatever you're going to call it. And while he prayed in tongues, they seen his brain disengage. Proving the scriptures. <laughs> says, when I pray in tongues, my spirit starts to pray. When your spirit starts to pray, your mind shuts down. When your mind starts to pray, your spirit shuts down. That's why Paul said, I pray in the spirit and I pray in understanding. You do both. But it's mysterious. All right? Now, we're going to go into... um, the scriptures in Romans, and I want to kind of give you guys a warning before I go in here. It has a lot going on in this scripture, but Paul has this thing that he does when he teaches. And he'll be in the middle of teaching, explaining a point, and what he'll do is he'll stop teaching and he'll go back to explaining the position. So he'll be right in the middle of teaching, Sierra, and then he'll stop and he'll start to pronounce that you are a child of God. And then he'll go back to teaching. All right. Why? Because like I tell you all the time that this is the main concept of scripture. You have to keep this concept in your mind. It is all about God wanting to be your father. Everything that you receive from him, you have to receive it as a child. You do not want to receive it as an Old Testament servant. All right. You don't want to live under the law. You want to be God's child. And so the whole purpose of this Bible existing is because God wants to be your father. It is not because he wants to be God. I'm going to continually say that until it becomes the way you think. God does not want to be your God. He was God before he created the planet. He was God. He had angels worshiping him. He had the heaven already. He didn't need earth. He didn't need earth. He didn't need mankind. 
And the way it's taught a lot of times is so narcissistic as if he put us here just to serve him, just so he could have some people to serve him. Now, if I did that, <laughs> if I just brought people into my life to serve me, what would you think of me? Okay? You see what I'm saying? Or I just have kids to serve me. I just need, I, baby, just pop them out because we just need some servants around here. You see how stupid this sounds? It sounds stupid when you look at it, okay? But you have an entire, I don't know. You got something like 4,000 denominations that teach that. The only reason God created us is so we can worship him. So they gather just to tell him how great he is. So you mean to tell me all the weak, fallible people are gathering to tell the strong person how great they are? Once again, if I did that, if I woke my kids up every morning and say, okay, y'all come in here and tell daddy how great he is. (laughs) You want to try it, Javon? You want to come up here and tell everybody how great I am? You're like, brother, no. <laughs> I don't even like you. <laughs> but do you see how this looks? Christianity is not about you telling God how great he is. He chose you. He looked at you. He knew you were weak. The Bible says that while we were yet in sin, which means that we were going totally against him, which means we had no control over our life. He sent his son because we were lost. Why would he bring us into the family only to put us through more. You know, I was having, if that's the case, I would have more fun before I came to him. Because I was just doing my thing. So he's going to bring me into his family. I got to walk on eggshells, and now I'm scared of everything. Before, I was, I didn't care. I just did what I want to do when I want to do. I had no fear about it. Okay? And so Paul always does this. He's always, if you read Paul's writings, he's always trying to remind you that God is your father, that you are a child. You are not a slave. You have not been given the spirit of bondage to fear again, but you have been given the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. Which means, don't call him Jehovah Jireh no more. (laughs) Don't call him Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Raphael. Okay, we don't do that no more. We call him Abba, Father. We call him Father. We're not going down that whole line, he's my peace, so I'm going to call him Shalom. He's my, no. They did that because they didn't have a relationship with him. So every time he did something for him, they had to describe it. We got the whole package. The Bible says that if we seek the kingdom, all things... We get all things. All right, let me, let me go. All right. And so I wanted to use these scriptures, and although they do talk about tongues, uh, I wanted to show you this in context. And you'll see what I mean because a lot of times people read scriptures and they say scriptures, and they'll say a scripture, but the context of the scripture, meaning you have a pretext and you have a post-text. All right? And so people will read a scripture And they'll take that scripture and try to live off of it. And you'll see what I mean, all right? Uh, Romans 8 and 16, it says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So he said the Holy Spirit testifies 
lets us know. It says he's a witness. You are a child of God because you can't get the Holy Spirit until you become a child of God. So the Holy Spirit witness is a witness. It testifies. All right. It testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17. And if children. Now, look what Paul is trying to tell us. If children heirs also. All right. He's letting you know you are a child of God. And if you are a child of inheritance. And then he said heirs of God, meaning the inheritance come from the father. But then he said, then he said joint heirs with Jesus Christ, which means whatever he has, you have. So there's none he received from the father that is not that you don't have. There's no access that Jesus has to the father that you don't have. Like I tell you all the time, there's no reason for him to have a ministry other than to show us how a child of God is supposed to look and act on earth. If you look at Jesus' ministry, he tell you how to deal with religious folks. <laughs> and if child's heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. Now, typically when I talk about suffering, I talk about it in the manner of suffering is as an internal call with external conflict. So you know the Father has called you to do something. You know he has chose you to do something, but then you have all this conflict on the outside of you. And, uh, and the best individual I can use is Jesus. In which, although Jesus had this call on his life, the man did miracles. All right, he opened the eyes of the blind. He healed people, but nobody in his hometown believed him. He would go into, into the synagogue, heal somebody, and then the Pharisees would get mad because the day he did it on. That's frustrating. That's suffering. When you have an agenda and something constantly is, is nudging you, trying to stop you from doing it. Now, that's one area of suffering, but it says here, it says that if we suffer with him, so that's what suffering with him is, all right? Suffering with him is knowing your calling and having all these things come against your calling, but you continue to move forward. But then in verse 18, it says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. Now, that's a different type of suffering. All right. This is the suffering that happens because you are never supposed to just be a human. When God created us in his image, according to his likeness, his only plans was for us to be gods. Adam lost that. So now we're suffering because we're not in the condition that we're supposed to be in. This present suffering, we're not supposed to have pains and aches in our body. All right, we're not supposed to have to uh, deal with evil things. When he created us, he created us and said, dominate. But we're not dominating. We're suffering. <laughs> because things dominate us. All right, so y'all got that part? All right. Verse 19. Now, from 19 to verse 22, we're going to talk about the creation. This is all going to make sense in a second. Verse 19, for the anxious longing of the creation 
waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So we're suffering and the creation is suffering with us. So the scripture says that the creation is waiting, longing for the revelation of the sons of God. So the creation is waiting for us to mature and become who the father called us to be. Now, the creation deals with uh, uh, everything that the father created summed up that he put under our authority. So everything that is supposed to be under our authority is waiting for us to mature to come up under our authority. And so it says the creation is groaning, the trees, the dirt, animals, wildlife. Deers ain't supposed to be getting shot. Lambs are not supposed to be getting devoured by wolves. That is the evil that came in when Adam turned the world over to Satan. So they're waiting for us to become the mature children of God so that they can come back up under our authority. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. So they're like, look, we're waiting on you to grow up and be who the father called you to be. We're in this situation because of you. It says, in hope, the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So they're saying, once you're set free, we're set free. So we're sitting back and we're waiting on you because of your sin, we got downgraded. Because of Adam's sin, we got relegated to being humans. Because of Adam's sin, we are now, okay, we're just, we're, we're fleshly beings with no godly power until you come into the family. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Here we go. So he says, we know the whole creation groans. Now, when you talk about the whole creation, you're talking about everything that he created and put under our feet plus us. The scripture says that we, that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together. So right now, in the state we're in, wanting to be God's children, wanting that to be manifested, the Bible says that we're all walking around here like we're in our ninth month of pregnancy, ready to give birth to who he said we are. We're ready to give birth, and the creation is waiting on us to give birth so they can become who they are. So, verse 23 it says, and not only this, but our, also we ourselves having the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of the body. Verse 24, for in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? 
But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. So the creation is groaning, eagerly waiting for us to mature. We have this hope. This hope just simply means that God has promised us eternal salvation, and we, and we trust that. That's why in verse 24 it says, for in hope we have been saved. So hope can really be summed up as faith and grace because the Bible says by faith and grace we were saved. So by hope we have been saved, but hope literally means eternal salvation. So we have been saved for eternal salvation, but it's spiritual. That's why it says, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. So if you're hoping for something then you, that you can see, that's not hope. Because hope can only be induced through faith. That's why he said that uh, um, for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. Now, I can get the teaching. All of this is mystical. All of this is mysterious. Because you know what? You can't see the creation suffering. You can't see the creation suffering. Had you not read the scripture, you didn't know they was waiting on us to grow up. It's all mystical. All right. And so while they're waiting for us to grow up, we have faith in something that we can't see. That's why the father loves us. OK, because because we engage him and we can't see him. That's why he's proud of us, because we can't see him. Y'all walk around here looking crazy, praying in tongues. Oh, y'all walk around looking crazy, praying in tongues. Why? Hope. Hope. So, now this whole thing becomes about divine order. All right? It becomes about divine order because the Bible says that we are children of God. As children of God, the creation is waiting on us to grow up. While the creation is waiting on us to grow up, we're trying to walk in faith. Here we go. Verse 26. In the same way, also, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So, what is he, Paul letting us know? Spiritually, you are God's children. Spiritually, the creation is waiting on y'all. You are living this life in which you can't see the Father. All right. So what is he letting us know? All this stuff is mysterious. And in the same way that you are a child of God and you can't see your DNA, you can't see how your father looks, you can't see that you're actually in his image according to his likeness. You can't see that. That's mysterious. The same way the creation is suffering, it's mysterious. The same way you have to have faith in something you can't see, it's mysterious. And we can only do all this by trusting him. What he's saying in verse 26, in the same way that you cannot see this, you have to trust this language. He says, in the same way, the spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should. 
So now, he, what is he talking about? Praying in tongues. We don't know how to pray as we should. He says, so what does the spirit do? It helps our weaknesses. So when I pray in tongue, what does the spirit do? It helps my weaknesses. What are some of my weaknesses? I don't understand spiritual things. So when I pray in tongues, it helps my weaknesses. I can't see in the spirit all the time. But when I pray in tongues, it helps my weaknesses. You can't hear spiritual things all the time. But when you pray in tongues, it helps your weaknesses. You can't always feel your way around in your destiny because your predestined purpose is spiritual. And you can't see it. So he wants you to pray this mystical language and in praying this mystical language, the scripture says that it helps your weakness. The fact that you can't understand or or attempt to do great and glorious things. So watch this. I have a calling as a pastor. That is a heavenly calling. That's not an earthly calling. It's not like playing basketball. <laughs> you get me? It's not like playing a sport. It's a heavenly calling. And I don't always know what to do. That's a weakness. God called you to be a prophet. God called you to start businesses. Whatever God called you to do and you can't see it, it's a weakness. So you have to pray in the spirit in order for what? To get help. Y'all good? <laughs> So, so when we pray in the spirit, meaning when we initiate the tongue, our tongues, when we pray in the spirit, I'm going to keep throwing, putting emphasis on that. When we pray in the spirit, it helps our weaknesses. Watch this. It says, for we do not know how to pray as we should. So there is a way to pray, but we don't know how. So we don't know how to pray, we don't know when to pray, and we don't know what to pray about. Now, why did I say that? Because, like I told you, all of this is written in context. When Paul started this scripture, when he started this off, in the, when we started this off in the 16th verse, all right, the first thing Paul said was, we're children of God. As children of God, growing up in the spiritual kingdom, we don't know how to pray for that. You don't know everything that you're going to encounter and how to get yourself through this. You don't know how to pray for that. Remember what he said about the creation. The creation is suffering and it's groaning. When we pray in the spirit, we're praying to restore them. When we pray in the spirit, we're praying to strengthen ourselves. And remember, we are living off our unseen hope at the same time. <laughs> so we don't know how to pray as we should we don't know how to pray as we should it's mysterious when the bible can tell us we don't know how to pray but when we pray praying in tongues it prays our weaknesses it prays how we should y'all with me now, 
The next thing it says is that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So when I pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit intercedes for me. Why does it intercede for me? Because I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Like I told you, I know it was us praying in tongues that made him join the track team and win county. He didn't know he could run track. But when you have parents that's at home praying, even when you try to make the wrong move, you end up making the right move. <laughs> it's weaknesses. You don't know what your child was created to do. You think LeBron James' mama knew that You don't know who your child is. You have no idea. Anybody who ever done anything in life has always had the testimony that somebody was praying for me. <laughs> you don't know. You don't even know what you're supposed to do. Who in here know for emphatically 100% what they're supposed to do in their life? Somebody raise their hand. Don't nobody know. Huh. That's why you need to stay out of everybody else's business. Because you don't even know what's going on in yours. <laughs> well, it proves it, right? If you don't know what's going on in your life, how you know what's going on in everybody else's life? We quick to jump. We everybody know what's going on with the coronavirus. <laughs> we don't know what's going on in our life. How we know what's going on in the White House. How we know what's going on in Wuhan, China? I be on Facebook like these folks on, they don't know nothing about their own life. How you know what's going on everywhere else but in you? That's an indicator. If I don't know what's going on in me, I don't know what's going on in nobody else. So it says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, this deals with intensity. Have you ever been praying in the spirit and then it seemed like you just went up a level or your, your, your uh, uh, tongues got stronger? Amen. That's when it says the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. It says with groanings too deep for words. Sometimes I've been, in, I've been praying in tongues so hard that I can't stop. I can't move, and when I'm done, I'm just drenched in sweat. Matter of fact, the first time I received the Holy Spirit, that's how I received it. I didn't understand then, but now I understand. I was going through so much pain that when I actually got the Holy Spirit, it was as if the Holy Spirit was cleansing me the first time I got it. It's like, I got I to gotta go, I got to come, I got to uh, uh, speak through your tongue and cleanse you. You don't know. But what ends up happening is you'll go praying in tongues and it'll intensify. It'll get deeper and deeper. And you don't know. It was a, a story that was told by the young man who came up to the uh, altar. And his mother was sitting, let's say where Ola is. And she started praying in tongues. And then immediately her son collapsed and started praying in tongues. And he didn't stop until she stopped. So you don't know. You're praying in tongues and something happened to your brother out of town. 
You don't know. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, meaning you start to pray in tongues. You don't even know what I'm telling you. It's mysterious. You don't even know why you praying in tongues. If I don't know why I'm praying in tongues, why are you intervening? <laughs> so the Holy Spirit interrupts what you don't understand and intervenes, intervenes for what you're praying for or what you should be praying for. Because imagine, just imagine, Sierra, you try to pray for your family and everything that's going on in their life, which you'll understand. How long you be sitting there? How long you be sitting there? If you just, okay, forget I said that. If you had to pray for everything going wrong with you and understanding, how long would you be sitting there? <laughs> I mean, we got finances, we got health, Okay, we got relationships. In, in relationships, we got marriage. We got kids. We got our parents. We got our cousins. We got aunties and uncles. Business. Imagine you had to pray in understanding for all that. This is why he gave us the language. Because when you're praying in tongues, you're praying as a child of God. When you're praying in tongues, you're praying to restore creation. And when you pray in tongues, you're praying for your predestined purpose. So when you're praying in tongues, you're praying for, for the past, present, and the future all at one time. Prove it to you. The scripture says you are a child of God, present. The creation is groaning, past. <laughs> Watch this. Verse 27, and he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit is the one that searches the heart. The Holy Spirit knows what the mind of the spirit is. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit searches the heart while you're praying in tongues. So you're praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit is correcting your motives. You're praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit is purifying your soul. You're praying in tongues, watch this, and the Holy Spirit is correcting your feelings. It's confirming things in you in which you thought you wasn't supposed to be doing it, but now you know you are supposed to be doing it. It confirms things in you that I didn't tell you to do that. So the Holy Spirit searches your heart. And then it says the Holy Spirit knows what the mind of the Spirit is, which means the Holy Spirit knows the blueprint. Y'all ready for this? The Holy Spirit knows the design and the makeup of you. You, you, and you. The Holy Spirit knows the makeup of who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to be. This is why the Bible, the, the Bible talks about... Uh, um, let me get it right. It talks about not quenching the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about not quenching the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows his job. The Holy Spirit knows what it's there to do. You don't know where you're supposed to be in five years, but the Holy Spirit does. And when you pray, it starts to build that for you. It starts to open them doors for you. That's why it says the Holy Spirit knows the mind of the Spirit. 
He knows the design. He knows the blueprint. He knows where you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be there. And that's why you don't want to fight against the Holy Spirit because you have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. You have callings. But you can't get there until he, until he purify you. So you don't know what the Father has for you. You don't know what you're supposed to be. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Right? Watch this. Kirby and Chris and Tremaine. God, God, we got a lot of singers in here. We got artists in here. Okay? You're called to be artists on tour. But what comes with that? You want to sing and make girls pass out, but you don't understand what's going to happen when you get to the hotel room. Y'all get me? You're ready to sing, but you're not ready for the girls. <laughs> it's going to come. You're ready to sing. You're ready to take the stage and blow their mind, but you're not ready for what's going to happen when you get off that stage. And sometimes you try to push through it, push through it, push through it, because you know you got the talent to do it. God ain't worried about your talent. Because when you're, the way your talent takes you is stuff to go with it. You ain't ready for a million dollars. You ain't ready to get $10 million in one check. That'll answer all, some of y'all prayers. What am I praying for now? You're not ready for that. A lot of the things that he has called us to do, we are not ready for that. I've always been able to teach, understood the word, but you're talking about pastoring? I wasn't ready for that. Was not ready for that. Pastoring is more than teaching. It's keeping people together. Leadership is about keeping people together. It ain't about being able to talk about the word. So the first thing I had to do was pray in tongues, watch this, and keep my marriage. You get me? I had to pray in tongues to control my tongue, to control my mind. You have a great future. What I'm about to go, I ain't know. In one minute, you're going to see what I'm talking about. You have a great future. But are you ready for what you think you're ready for? The Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints. Now, at first, it just said the Holy Spirit intercedes. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for the creation, too. The Holy Spirit intercedes for situations and circumstances. That's why I told you it's about divine order now. When you praying in tongues, we're not just thinking about ourselves now. We have to put a whole world in order. So when I'm praying in tongues, yes, does it affect me? Does it help me? Yes, but it's helping my family. It's helping my neighborhood. Because like I told you, it's all about divine order now. Every sin that compiles and piles up and piles up and piles up, it shifts the atmosphere. It shifts the atmosphere. Chicago is the way it is for a reason. When we're praying in tongues, we're tearing that down. 
It's bigger than you just praying for yourself. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. He intercedes for the saints. Now, this is just for the saints. But like I told you, he's interceding for the entire planet. When you're praying in tongues, you're praying to set more in order than just your life. That's why it is important that you pray in tongues. And so he says the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he doesn't just intercede. Okay, according to what he wants, he does this according to the will of God. That's why I said it says the Holy Spirit knows the mind. He knows the mind of the spirit. He searches your heart. He's interceding for you according to what God said you're supposed to have. Not according to what I'm supposed to have. Here we go. Y'all ready? It's my conclusion. I'm about to close in a second. These scriptures right here are going to rest my case, but at the same time, they're going to pose some questions for you. Because y'all hear this scripture all the time. Verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Y'all hear that all the time, don't you? You hear that all, all, all things work together for the good. Not if you ain't praying in tongues. Not if you ain't praying in tongues. According to the scripture, that's why I say you have to read it in context. All things work together if you're praying in tongues. Why, how did I get that? All things work together. Hold on, let me, I said that wrong. And we know that God causes all things to work together. Together, Dre. Not by himself. You praying in tongues, he fixing. You stop praying in tongues, he stop working. Because we know, and we know God causes all things to work together. Together. You pray in tongues, he, he, he repairs, he restores, he refreshes. You don't pray in tongues, nothing happens. So all things are not going to work together for the good if you don't pray in tongues. But we'll think that, and then what you end up having is the Bible, people think that the Bible has failed them. No, the Bible hasn't failed you. You read that out of context. You read it out of context. And we know that, that God causes all things to work for good to those who love God, to those who are called. So it don't just work for everybody. It works for those who are called, which means he invited you into the family and you accepted the invitation. But then it's according to his purpose. So your life is not working unless you're called and you're in his purpose. But in you being in, called in his purpose, you still have to pray in tongues. That's why I told you last week that why would the Bible tell us to put on the whole armor of God and then at the end tell us pray in the spirit always? It's a mysterious language, all right? So the word work together means this. It's the Greek. It means God's works, God works with us to make our life work for us. Read that again. Okay. God works with us 
to make our life work for us. You hear that, Jay? He works with you. You get that, Kirby? Y'all got that? He works with you. You ain't praying, he's sitting there watching you. <laughs> you ain't going to fast, he's going to sit there and watch you. Okay, you're not going to even pick the word up, right? Okay, I'm going to sit there and watch you. Because it ain't going to work until we work together. <laughs> you're not going to study? Okay, I'm going to sit there and watch you. Because you got to study to show yourself approved. I'm going to work with you. So you ain't going to come to church. You're not going to even fellowship. I'm working together with you. How many people didn't want to come to church before? Not, not today. Everybody want to come today. <laughs> Corona got people on burning house down. But you ever been in a situation where you didn't want to come to church, but then you glad you did? You didn't want to come, but when you came, somebody had something for you, a word for you, something that was said was for you. Why? He works with you. He's working with you. You going to stay your buddy at home? No. I'm not going to tune in to YouTube for you. <laughs> not going to happen. He said things a certain way. Okay? Our kids doing this little online learning thing. Why? Because they can't go to school. If they could go to school, the teacher would not tell them, you can just do online, stay at home. <laughs> God, all things, God, watch this. God causes all things to work together. I'm going to keep saying that. I'm going to stay there for, a couple, for about two more seconds. All things works together. If you don't do nothing, then he don't do it. If you don't pray in tongues, your spirit doesn't pray. If you don't pray in tongues, you're not building up your most holy faith. If you don't pray in tongues, you're not edifying yourself. If you don't pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit's not interceding for you. So you can sit there while everybody else praying in tongues. You won't. While everybody else getting built up. Everybody else getting edified. The Holy Spirit interceding. Doors getting knocked down. Houses getting moved out the way. Just so you can have all through a language. All you got to do is That ain't hard, is it? It's not hard. That's like the easiest thing he asks us to do. <laughs> it's the easiest thing other than just believing. And that's what we want. We really just won't believe. You know, just believe and everything happen, right? No. That's why Jesus said, look, to the mystery, he said, uh, the mysteries of the kingdom, I'm going to give it to y'all. But the folks that didn't show up to church, <laughs> I'm going to talk to them in parables. The Bible says so, watch this, Dre. The Bible says so, seeing they won't see and hearing they won't hear unless they be converted. So he said, I want you to become a genuine disciple of mine before I will engage your ears and your eyes. I ain't showing you nothing until you commit to me. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the image of his son so that he will be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Now, why is that scripture after God causes all things to work together? <laughs> That's the work. 
The work is the predestined plan. The work is you conforming to the image of Christ. So every time you pray in tongues, he's conforming you. Every time you pray in tongues, he's maneuvering things, moving things out the way. I know for a fact, I was praying in tongues so much, he said, I got to get you into your purpose. And then you know what happened? When I did what God told me to do, and I'm, this is a warning for y'all, I did what God told me to do, people didn't like it. And you know what it did for me? It, it triggered something in me, and I stopped praying in tongues. I stopped praying in tongues because I knew what the Father was calling me to do. I knew the revelation, I was getting revelation that God was our Father. God is our Father. We got to stop teaching him that everything's about the Holy Spirit. Because the Scripture does not tell us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The only relationship the Bible talks about is relationship with the Father. It is the only biblical relationship. It's us having a relationship with the Father. If Jesus is the mediator between man and God. Come here, Kirby. Come here, Chris. Come here, Zabe. Come here, Zantre. Call you Zabe. Come here, come here. Now. Go about your business for me. <laughs> now, Zantre don't like Kirby. I understand why. Okay? I understand why. He's talking too many languages. All right? So, Chris is supposed to mediate this relationship because they, they're not talking. So, once Chris has mediated that relationship, what was the purpose of him mediating the relationship? So these two can talk. Am I right? So once these two, the, the relationship has been reconciled, we don't need Chris no more. They need to talk. You, you get what I'm saying? Jesus is the mediator between man and God. Once the reconciliation has happened, this is the relationship right here. <laughs> you need to talk to your father. But we're steady trying to talk to the Lord. It ain't nothing wrong with it if you do both. <laughs> you got to do it right before you can do some other stuff. God has no problem with it. I don't have a problem. He don't have no problem with us talking to Jesus. But Jesus said... I came to seek and save that which was lost. I am the mediator between God, let you be God, okay, all right, and man. Once the mediation has been taken care of, this is the relationship. That's why Jesus said, pray to him, don't pray to me. You see what I'm saying? Pray to him, don't pray to Chris. All right, worship him, don't worship Chris. Chris Jesus. All right. With a mohawk. <laughs> All right? Y'all get it? All right, y'all have a seat. <laughs> but that's what it's about. Our relationship is with the Father. That is the relationship. The Bible says that, that uh, he who sanctifies and those that are sanctified are one. So he's not ashamed to call us brothers. The Bible says that we are, we are joint heirs with him. He, the Bible says as he is, so are we. 
So the same relationship he got with the Father is the same relationship we got. That's why you can't tell me that Jesus prayed these little religious prayers. You think he was praying out the, out the, uh, 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 the book of Isaiah? Come on. Father, you said no. You think he was praying? No, I'm just being honest with you, okay? Because when we do the series on pray like a child, we're going to teach you, okay? Because we don't want you praying like you Pharisees. What did the Pharisees say? I, pray, I pay tithes. I don't sin like the rest of them. <laughs> All right, let me close. All right. So this Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the image of his son, so that he will be the firstborn of many brethren. Overall, that's what tongues is supposed to accomplish. Okay? It's supposed to conform you to the image of Christ. It's supposed to give you your predestined purpose. All right? Verse 30. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. But you know what? You don't see any of that if you don't pray in tongues. This is by far one of the most important things in Scripture. All right? There is no movement without praying in tongues. You can't, Jesus, the Bible said Jesus would, would, he would be with the disciples, then he would disengage the disciples and go pray all night. What do you think he was praying all night? He was quoting the Old Testament? He was praying in tongues. You think he was in there praying the book of Job? You think he was praying, you know what I'm saying, Leviticus? No, you just have to think. If you just think, <laughs> Jesus came to give us the relationship he had with the Father, the prayer life he had with the Father, everything that he had with the Father. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I ain't going to. I got a lot left here, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say this last thing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, he said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. All right. That's where I want to get you to. I want to get you to the point where you're praying in tongues five to eight hours a day. I know it seemed like a lot, but I'm not talking about you don't have to be, you know, you, you don't have to be all loud and boisterous. While Dre cutting hair, he could be up under the bullshit. This this bullshit. Why you cutting hair? You could be hey, that whole shift. You see what I'm saying? Whole shift while you at work. Bullshit. While you at home with the kids. It don't matter what you're doing. You be at work. FedEx. And after a while, you're going to feel like you're going to fly out the window. <laughs>